This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Love spending this time with you Monday through Friday as we discuss issues of importance to your life and your faith. I'm always eager to hear from you, and so I am always inviting you to give us a call here. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That is the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live. Do want to remind you that uh, we are also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Simply use the chat feature there, put in your name, uh, put in where it is that uh, you are located and leave your question or comment there. We'll retrieve it, put it up on the board, and we'll be able to address it and talk about it today. So I do invite you to use that opportunity as well as all of the opportunities that are available to you, primarily the phone number, 833 EWTN. Available for you too outside of North America. The number that I just gave you is a toll-free one if you are in North America. But outside of North America, we invite you to use this number, country code 1-205-271-2985. Again, that's country code 1-205-271-2985. Looking forward to your questions, your comments. Uh, Always looking forward to hearing about what's going on in your world. If you need prayer, by golly, we are here for you. We certainly are. Uh, do encourage you to give us a call. I also encourage you to get out there to our website, womenofgrace.com. All kinds of good things coming up. Honestly, uh, it's just a, a very, very full schedule. I was uh, in a meeting with uh, a lot of our regional coordinators earlier this week, and they were talking about the in-person studies that they're getting started. They were talking about the online study. Uh, They were talking about the Quick Start Facilitator training. I sure do want to invite you to join us for all of the events that we have, uh, those online as well as those in person. Uh, This evening, today is the 11th, and this evening um, uh, there is going to be uh, an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about some of the things that are going on. Uh, We've got an evening of grace this evening uh, at 7 p.m. It's free of charge. All you need to do is go to our website and uh, register for it. Uh, Then you'll get a link and you'll be able to join all of the other ladies. I think I do it by Zoom. Uh, So all of that is is a lovely way to be introduced to Women of Grace. If you've never attended anything before, this is a very, very lovely way for you to be able to experience uh, how it is that God uses the gifts and talents of various peoples to bring his good news to others and to participate. Uh, so the the evening tonight, the topic is Our Lady of Mount Carmel and Carmelite Spirituality. Uh, and it's I, I think you're going to really, really enjoy being with the women. So, you know, if you have the time available tonight between 7 and 9 Eastern time, consider uh, signing up and joining us for that beautiful thing. On January 17th, we're going to have a quick start facilitator training. And uh, that is for women who, uh, you know, are wondering, gee, you know, maybe I should facilitate this Women of Grace Foundational Study. Uh, This is an opportunity for you to find out more about it, to uh, get a little bit of training, primarily in the use of the materials that we have, and have any questions that you might uh, want to bring forward get uh, uh, answered. So it's a beautiful, again, a 
beautiful time for you to be able to participate. And there's two times for that. January 17th is the first one. It's a Wednesday at 11 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern. Or then Thursday, January the 18th, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time. But all of this info is there on the website for you. Do want to mention some of the events coming up. Uh, January 25th, I am going to be in Fort Myers, Florida. Beautiful town. Fort Myers is lovely. Been to Fort Myers numbers of times. Just drive past it very routinely as I'm barreling down 75 to go to the other coast to visit uh, my daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren. So uh, Fort Myers is right there on the way. I kind of wave as I drive by. All of that being said, uh, this is a lovely uh, event that the women uh, who have named their, their little organization Faith and Wine, Lee County, uh, they gather together once a month and they bring a speaker in. Uh, there's a, a dinner, you know, there's uh, an opportunity to <clears throat> enjoy each other's company uh, and have some fellowship. Begins at six o'clock. Uh, the doors open at six. The program starts at 630 and it ends at 830. And they have invited me to speak and I am going to be there. I certainly am. I'm going to be there uh, on, on January the 25th at 6 p.m. And I'll stay until the last one leaves. <laughs> and so I invite you to join us. Uh, I'm going to be presenting on authentic femininity, chosen daughters of the Most High God. You know, in a day and time where womanhood is under such severe attack, talking about the truth of who woman is, is kind of a, you know, countercultural thing to do. Who ever thought it would be countercultural to talk about the reality of woman? The fact that there is such a thing as authentic femininity and that it is immutable. But what does that mean? And, and what does it mean to be a chosen daughter of the Most High God? And what is our call and mission according to our gender? So those are some of the things that we're going to get into uh, when we gather together there. And I, I will be presenting on that topic uh, that evening. So you, again, can register right online. Uh, and we will be very, very happy uh, to uh, greet you when you come. And do come up to me and say, hey, I'm here because I heard you on radio. You can drive. Fort Myers isn't far if you're on the west coast of Florida. It's, it's very accessible. Uh, in addition to that, you know, we, we know that even if you're on the east coast, you can just gallop across Alligator Alley and you can join us uh, for this beautiful evening. I'm looking forward to it. February 3rd. Going to be back in Florida again, but this time I'm bringing my hubby with me. Yes, I am. Uh, Jack and I are going to be there in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, we are going to be uh, uh, giving a, a marriage retreat day there at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church. They've invited us in to do this. Thriving in marriage in a post-truth culture is the theme for this retreat. And I'm very eager to present on this topic. I'm very eager to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do with this topic. Uh, Jack and I have been talking about it. Uh, but, you know, the Holy Spirit, he knows who's going to come. And I find this all of the time, uh, being out there on the road and giving talks and having been doing that for over 30 years now. You know, the fact of the matter is, I can go in and think, well, maybe this, maybe that. But the Holy Spirit knows who's there. And he will tailor a talk. He will bring a whole different talk into being. He'll take a topic and, pre, you know, give an insight, even as we're presenting, give an insight that's completely new. <laughs> so, you know, uh, this is why when people say, well, okay, so give me all of these talk titles. Well, th that's easy to do if I'm writing a book. I can give you chapter titles. <laughs> but when it comes to speaking, we never exactly know. 
although we have a very good idea. This is the general theme, thriving in marriage in a post-truth culture. So that's what we're going to be presenting on. Uh, I, I know that there's a, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the four dispositions of heart essential when you love somebody. How about that? So anyway, join us for that event. If you're anywhere in Florida, Boca Raton, that is going to be February the 3rd. And then February the 16th, I'm going to be in State College, Pennsylvania. Yes, I am. That is where Penn State is, the Nittany Lions. That is the school I graduated from. Haven't been back for oh, better than 30 years, I'm thinking. Uh, so I'm eager to get back on campus again. But I'm going to be at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church. That's where I'm going to be. And it's going to be a beautiful evening uh, presentation for the parish on Friday night. And then on Saturday, I'll be giving two talks uh, uh, to women. It's going to be a women's day. So I'm excited about that. Oh, geez, it's going to be just so exciting. I hope you can come. Uh, visit us. There's more to come on the other side of the break. 833-288-EWTN. Give us a call. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 1-833-288-EWTN. 1-833-288-3986. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are so happy to be with you today, and I would love to hear from you. Yes, I would. Let me give you that phone number to use. It's toll-free for you right here in North America, 833-288-EWTN. Again, that's 833-288-3986. Just pick up the phone and give us a call. We're very friendly people. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> Just give us a call, 833-288-EWTN. It's toll-free for you right here in North America. If you're outside of North America, you can reach us by calling country code 1-205-271-2985. Again, that's country code 1-205-271-2985. EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page is available for you too. So just go on out there and leave a question uh, or your comment there. I uh, want to let you know that if you're a first-timer, I would like to know. First-time caller, first-time submitter. I have a welcome bell, and I like to ring it for your debut. So please do let us know that. Now, oftentimes, I do want to let you know this, too. Uh, you know, you have a question, and it's after the show's over, and you still want to ask it. You can do that. After 4 p.m., in the afternoons, that's Eastern time, the call-in line becomes the comment line, and you can leave a question there. Just say, this is so-and-so from so-and-so, and I would like to leave a question for Women of Grace, and then you leave your question, and it gets played on the air, and I am able to answer it. We are going to demonstrate right now <laughs> with a call that was left for us by somebody that uh, called in after hours and left the call. So we certainly do invite you to do the same thing. So let's go for it, Rich. My question is, who were the parents of St. Joseph? I know the lineage was the lineage of David, but it doesn't say anything about who the parents of St. Joseph were. Well, thank you for your call. And I want to tell you that Scripture does give us indication of Joseph's lineage, and we find it in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. And what is this whole genealogy about, anyway? It is showing us that Jesus is a descendant of David, just as the prophet said would happen. The Messiah would come from the line of David. And so uh, if you follow that genealogy and you go all of the way to the end, it tells you this. Um, uh, uh, 
Yeah, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. It was of her that Jesus, who was called the Messiah, was born. So we know Joseph's father's name was Jacob. Now, remember, these names were common names. Uh, so there are a lot of Jacobs, but this is the name for uh, uh, for St. Joseph's father. Who his mother is, is not necessarily given here. Uh, and I think that the reason for that is because the the the, um, the line came from the father, not from the mother. So that is is what we're given. So I can at least answer your question for one parent. <laughs> I can't answer your question for his mom. So thank you very, very much for your call. I do appreciate it. And that, friends, is how it goes when you leave a, a call for us right there on our comment line. Uh, but today, you can call in and be live, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. And I'm inviting you to do that. Do give us a call. I love talking with you. I really do. Uh, you know, we had a call that happened that came in um Let's see, today is Thursday. It might have come in earlier in the week or it might have come in towards the end of last week. I think it was this week, though. Uh, And it was Kelly, and she called in. And and I've been praying for you, Kelly. You know, as I shared with you, I would. I've been praying for you. And I pray for all of you. But when you do call in and you you have a special intention, then I'm able to offer that special intention in my time of prayer. So I'm very very intentional about your intention. Uh, So I do invite you to call in. Uh, But uh, Kelly was sharing with us some of the struggles that she has. And she was struggling with an attachment, uh, really, to three things. An attachment to nicotine. She smokes cigarettes, an attachment to alcohol, she drinks, and an attachment to marijuana, she smokes pot. And uh, so, you know, I was giving her some insight, some advice, and some counsel. Uh, But the question came up to me in my own mind later on as as I was thinking about um, Kelly and her situation and praying for her. I started thinking about this whole area of attachment and growth in the spiritual life. And I wanted to share something with you that... I found in uh, in a beautiful book written by uh, Father Thomas Dubé. Now, many of you, if you're longtime watchers of EWTN, you're going to remember Father Dubé. Uh, he was is was a scholar, really, on Saint Teresa of Avila and Saint John of the Cross on Carmelite spirituality, though he was not a Carmelite. And um, what a marvelous presenter! What a marvelous teacher! And he's written this book called Fire Within. Uh, Ignatius Press publishes it. It's available for you at EWTN's religious catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book because it takes you deeply into the spiritual life um, uh, according to St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. So it takes you deep into Carmelite spirituality. But the area, there's a, a chapter in here, uh, and, and it's entitled The Freedom from... The freedom of detachment, the freedom of uh, detachment. And he goes on and says that, you know, one of the things that we have a problem with when we think about St. John of the Cross is we really don't understand what that means. What does it mean to be detached? Well, you can't be detached from food, for example, because you've got to live. But you could be detached from the inordinate consumption of food. So, so there's an important word there uh, that is descriptive when we're talking about detachment and attachments inordinate. So if there is an area of our life where we are inordinate in terms of uh, material pleasures uh, or in terms of, of uh, you know, sensible pleasures, I, let's just put it that way, all sensible pleasures, uh, 
if if we have an attachment that's inordinate, then we want to look carefully at that and ask for the grace to detach. So the question is, what? how do you know if an attachment is inordinate? For example, you might say, well, you know, I really like cherry pie and that's okay. Does it mean you can never have a piece of cherry pie? No. It doesn't mean that. You can fast from it sometimes as, as, a, as a sacrificial offering. So, you know, liking cherry pie is, is not sinful. It isn't. Now, the inordinate love of cherry pie, when you're eating cherry pie almost 24-7, where you have to have a piece of cherry pie or you're going to go nuts, you know, now we begin to say, mm, something's disordered here. And that was a word that I used with Kelly was disordered. It's out of order. And when things are out of order in our lives, we're not happy. You know, we're not, we don't experience joy. We don't experience the closeness of God. Um, So I found this list in uh, Fire Within that talks about the identification of whether or not something is an attachment right? Uh, how do we know if God's calling us to detachment? And Marilyn, I'm going to ask you to hold on just for a few minutes here because I want to go through this list very quickly and then I'm going to take your call. I want you to call in 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986, toll free for you right here in North America. So this is what Father Dubé, I mean, he, he he's very good. Uh, he talks about, you know, the, the whys of detachment. Why do we want to detach? Because we want to be attached attached to God alone. We want to be attached to God alone. We want to reach the transforming union. God intends for all of us to enter into the highest grades of prayer. So I'm telling you that right up front. You know, he, 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 we can poke around in the lower grades of, of, of prayer, but God's desire for us is to go to the highest grades of prayer, to ultimately go to transforming union, where it's no longer we who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in us, as Paul says about himself. Okay, so, and he says, the, this Father writes this, the human person is destined to this complete oneness of likeness with God, a oneness affected through total love that transforms the human partner into divine splendor. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants for you. He says, this union of likeness affected by perfect love can happen only when everything unlike and unconformed to God is cast out. And he goes on and he says, since we are destined to become uh, God by participation with divine nature, and here he doesn't mean that we become the divine person, but he means that God inhabits us to such an extent that we are God-like. We must be purified of anything and everything that is not God. Consequently, perfect transformation is impossible without perfect purity. So he goes on and he says, uh, you know, so uh, St. John says, our unredeemed desires are like a cataract over our eyes, a truth that any experienced spiritual director can verify. People who are single-mindedly and wholeheartedly pursuing God immediately understand the finer points of evangelical perfection while equally intelligent but worldly men and women simply cannot comprehend an identical explanation. So now, how do we know uh, if if uh, we have an attachment? And I'm going to read you, and I'm just going to go through the list. I'm going to read you nine of them, just so that you can maybe do a little examination as we go through it. I know I surely did as I went through these. Uh, number one uh, in the list is the dimming of vision. The dimming of 
a vision. Here he's not talking about your natural eyesight. He's talking about your spiritual sight, the dimming of vision. Number two, sinful ramifications. Sinful ramifications. So uh, what does that mean? It, well, you know, it's like when you commit one sin, it's easier to commit the next sin, isn't it, though? You know, rarely does a person wake up in the morning and say, today, I'm going to become the biggest sinner that ever was. Today, I am I am setting out to commit every mortal sin I can possibly commit. That's not the way it goes. The way in which it typically goes is we give in to small things and our resolve is weakened. And so as our resolve grows weaker and weaker, our propensity to commit bigger and bigger sins increases. So sinful ramifications is two. Number three, impediments to prayer and awareness of God. Um, you know, are, are, you, are you experiencing that? Impediments to prayer and awareness of God. When we're attached, they in of themselves can create an impediment to God, uh, or to prayer, and can create uh, an impediment to the awareness of God. Four, um, you know, it's an affront to God. And so we're insulting him. And preferring something finite to God is an insult to him, writes Father Dubay. So, you know, understanding, understanding that that's what we're doing. What about this one? Drying up joy. We mentioned that earlier, didn't we? That, you know, joy is gone. Happiness is gone. And a funny thing begins to take place. We keep committing the sin over and over again, thinking we're going to get a different result. And that happens to be the definition for insanity. But that's what happens. Well, it wasn't good this time, but it's going to be better next time. And there we fall. Sexual pleasure. There we fall to uh, imbibing too much alcohol. There we fall to, uh, you know, uh, uh, the short satisfaction that we get in talking about somebody versus the guilt that sets in later. Uh, joy is gone. Uh, here, it diminishes us. We're diminished by it. These are the ram. This is what happens, uh, right? Uh, so, if you're feeling poorly about yourself, uh, if if you've got this experience of low self worth, is there an attachment uh, to something, and you are going to that something to feel good about yourself, as opposed to your relationship with God? Um, it can block transformation. So, are you stuck? Are you stuck in your spiritual life? Now, sometimes we're stuck because God is keeping us in a state of purgation. But if we're not moving forward, and, and, and we've been able to discern that this isn't about purgation, it could be because of behavior, uh, imbibing in the sensible pleasures too much. Uh, and then, number nine, Drain on psychic energy. Now, I want to explain this, the use of the word psychic. So the word psychic here, here we're talking about, you know, the psyche is the soul, right? It's where the faculties of the human person reside. Uh, and that's the psyche. So when we read here psychic energy, I'm not talking about mediumship and all that stuff. Uh, Father Dubé is making a reference to our soul energy, you know, um, our, our ability to attend to holy things. But also just a drying up of our natural energies, uh, our, our ability to uh, uh, perhaps go the distance, you know, uh, in terms of our work 
or in terms of our relationship with our spouse or in terms of our, uh, you know, other personal, uh, interpersonal relationships. So anyway, I just thought that might be useful for you. I don't know. I hope it is. Uh, for me, it was very useful. And I, and I think that it, it's a very good examination of conscience uh, to go through uh, an exercise like that occasionally to see, okay, you know, take your temperature, so to speak, on where am I in my relationship with God? And this is why reading good literature like this, you know, holy literature is, is, is beneficial on so many levels. It's instructive, obviously, gives us information, obviously, but it can also be very inspirational. We can pause along the way and pray and open ourselves up to um, a greater opportunity for that mystery to come to life in us, right? So just some thoughts for you today. All right, Marilyn heeded my plea and she called in and I'm asking you to do the same thing. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Marilyn is also a first time caller and I am happily ringing my bell for you, Marilyn. And she is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good. So what's your question? Um, My question is um, something I've never pondered before, but it just came to me recently. If Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, I never thought before. I know he comes from a lineage of David through Joseph. Yes. So does he actually have like both Joseph and Mary's like DNA? No. Jesus had no biological father, so he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus did have a biological mother, a natural mother, and that was our Blessed Lady. So Jesus has Mary's DNA, not Joseph's DNA. Um, And this is why, you know, the great theologians, uh, you know, have told us that, you know, Jesus was clothed in Mary's flesh. This is why, uh, you know, mystics will tell us um, who have been privileged to receive private revelation and have seen our Blessed Lady and seen our Lord, that there's a tremendous resemblance between the two. So it's, it, it's naturally, biologically reasonable that that would be the case. Uh, so Mary um, was the contributor, uh, if you will, uh, to, the, to, to the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, divinity, of course, by way of the Holy Spirit and, and the Word made flesh. He is the Word made flesh, second person of the Blessed Trinity made flesh. So um, that, that's the, the, the quick answer to, to your question there, Marilyn. It's a beautiful thing to ponder, though, this relationship between Jesus and Our Lady. Um, we can talk about it more when we come back from the break, but here's something for you to ponder. Scientists tell us that when a woman is with child, that the DNA of that child is imprinted on her womb that that DNA of every baby she ever conceives is there. The only baby Mary ever conceived was Jesus. His DNA was imprinted on her womb. Not a lovely thing to think about. We're going to be right back inviting you to stay with us, 833-288-EWTN. Johnette is taking your phone calls, 1-833-288-EWTN, one 
888-288-3986. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are so happy to be with you today. We certainly are, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. 833-288-EWTN is the number for you to use. Just pick up the phone and punch them in, and you can be with us. It's toll-free for you right there in North America. We're available for you, too, at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Simply use the chat feature there. Uh, We are eager to see what you will leave for us there, and we will address it on the air. If you're a first-time caller, first-time submitter, let us know. I have got a little bell. Here it is. I'm showing you if you're out there. There we go. And that little bell announces your debut. Marilyn, with us from Cincinnati, Ohio, heard that bell because she was a first-time caller, and you can hear it too if you're a first-time caller. Uh, Let's go back to Marilyn. She was asking us about Jesus' DNA. Did it come from Mary or did it come from Joseph? It came from Mary. Uh, did it come from both of them? No. Uh, so there you go, Marilyn. Marilyn, did, do you, is there more that you want to talk about with regard to that? Well, yeah. So the second part of my question is, so uh, Joseph was in the lineage of David, mm-hmm. and Jesus came from the house of David. So how is that? How does that work? Okay. So we have to understand what, um, what <clears throat> adoption meant to the Jew, uh, for us to be able to understand that. It, 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 was, a, it was a relationship uh, between uh, the parent and the child stronger than we understand adoption to be today. In other words, in the Jewish understanding, uh, the child that was adopted, and in this case, you know, the church tells us that uh, Joseph was the foster father of Jesus, right? And and let's just think about St. Joseph for half a second here. Um, so obviously we, we know the gene, the genealogy there. <clears throat> it's readable there in Matthew. But but here's the thing. Um, when when God the Father intended from all eternity that Mary would be the mother of Jesus, uh, and we know that to be true, uh, and we know it in a number of ways. First of all, you know, she... Uh, she is referenced right there in the very Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman, God says to, to the serpent. So the use of that word, the, is very important. Uh, in, in the use of that word, the, uh, indicates that he has a specific woman in mind. We read something similar about you and me in Ephesians in chapter 1. Verse 4, St. Paul writes to the Ephesians, God chose us in him before the world began. What is he saying? He's saying, before the very foundations of the world were laid in place, God knew you, Marilyn, and he knew me. He knew us. And he knew the Blessed Mother too. Uh, So every human person who has ever had life or every human person uh, who will ever have life was intended by God to have life for a reason and for a purpose. Now we ultimately know what Mary's purpose is. So if that holds true, which it does, it, it's, it's, it's a statement of fact, uh, theological fact. If that holds true, then the same would apply to St. Joseph. It was always God's intention that the son, the, the, the word, would take on flesh, would take on Mary's flesh. He intended Mary for that mission, to be that woman. But he also intended Joseph from before the very foundations of the world were laid in place to be his father. And he also intended that Jesus would come to the Jewish nation. So, you know, so, so, so there's all of that. So we have to think about Joseph in terms of the fact that he was chosen by God. Now, Mary is the only one 
who was conceived uh, without original sin at the moment of her. And, and when I say that, I'm obviously Jesus. I'm putting Jesus into a separate category there. But the only purely human creature conceived uh, without the stain of original sin. Uh, that re- Her redemption happened at the moment that sperm met egg. Uh, we can talk about that if you want to. But but let's just go with, with that statement for the moment. So she never had original sin. Joseph, however, um, was not conceived without original sin. But theologians, many theologians, a, a, who you know have done a lot of study, really, on, on eternal truths in relation to um, Mary and in relation to St. Joseph and all, say that though he wasn't conceived without original sin, he was confirmed in grace immediately after he was conceived, meaning that there was, and this is speculative theology, right? Uh, they speculate that in order for him uh, to to uh, be the father of the word made flesh, this would have to be a very holy man. He didn't conceive Jesus being a man. Mary did. So within her body, she was housing the word made flesh completely different kind of a relationship, but he had to be confirmed in grace. He had to be made holy. He had to be, uh, he had to be uh, especially chosen uh, by God for this role and for this mission. And God gave him all of the gifts and talents, both, both natural and supernatural, that he would need to fulfill that that beautiful, beautiful gift that God uh, would be involving him in. And that is the raising and the rearing um, uh, of the humanity of the word made flesh. So so there there is that. Now, in the Jewish understanding, now so 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 we have this, may I say, uh, you know, I, I, you know, perfect father chosen by God for Jesus. He is the perfect father chosen by God, just not an, oh, he'll do. No, no, no. He was chosen by God. All right. So there's that. So this is a, a good and holy man in the Jewish understanding. He, and he would be fulfilling, you know, the Jewish, uh, rites and rituals and, and the, and the Jewish, uh, uh, understanding theology, if you will, to the maximum in the Jewish understanding, when someone adopted a child, he was granted all of the rights and the privileges as if he had been the biological child to the maximum degree. He was not seen by anybody to be, um, you know, less than, less than the total child of this person. And that is how he was regarded by the parents. This is why when we read in scripture that we, we, we're the adopted sons and daughters of God, we have to read that with a Jewish understanding that there is nothing held back from us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavens can be ours, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Every spiritual blessing, because God sees us as his children in the same way as the Father looked upon the Son. And so St. Joseph, who, chosen by the Father, and is the presentation of the Father, if you will, to Jesus, 
gave him everything. And in the Jewish understanding, that included lineage. It included lineage. So I hope that helps you understand. So much. You're welcome. Does that clear it up a little bit? Yes, that's the way I always thought, but then I just had that thought come into my mind. So thank you for clearing that up for me. Oh, you're so welcome, and I appreciate your call, and I appreciate your question. It's a, it's a good one, and it's an interesting one, too. Thank you for it. Appreciate it. 